This podcast is brought to you by Australia's LGBTQIA community media organisation, Joy. Keep Joy on air by becoming a member, a subscriber or donate. Head to joy.org.au. Joy, a diverse sound for a diverse community. Are on, uh, you are on Sunday Magazine, Joy 94.9. Uh, we've got a pre-record uh, some of the history of Pride March. Thank you to Chris Ferno and the whole team behind the scenes at, at Joy and James, our podcaster, for editing this and putting it together. Have a listen, and then after that we're going to speak with uh, previous chair of Pride March, Penny McDonald. Have a listen. Emily Dwyer talked with Darren Ray about his recollections. When I arrived in 1995, I think it's fair to say that the Melbourne uh, gay, lesbian and allied community was quite closeted, very conservative. I became the first executive officer of the Also Foundation and came from Perth for that job. And I was uh, part of a community in Perth that was far more uh, radical, if you like, and willing to be in the face of politicians. So when I came to Melbourne, I found a very conservative community that I thought probably needed a bit of a shake-up. A few things happened in 1994. Yes, certainly the Tasty Raids uh, uh, was, uh, uh, I think that was 1994, um, I think sent a message to us that we, we weren't really safe. We weren't safe to go out and socialise. We weren't safe to go to nightclubs. And there was still that stigma and, if you like, the apparatus of the state, the police force, were quite willing to make our lives difficult. And I think that, well, certainly left a bad taste in our mouths. The Commerce Club was packed on Saturday night for a gay and lesbian dance party. Just after 2am, the music stopped, the lights came on and 40 police stormed in. I was stripped down to my underwear and she sort of put her, her fingers down her my underwear and I had to reveal my breast. I was asked to take my shoes off, my socks off, my jeans off, my underwear off. As I was doing that, another private individual citizen was naked in front of me, bending over to touch his toes while a torch was shone up his anus. It was meant to embarrass, it was meant to intimidate and that's the impact that it had on uh, a significant number of those uh, who were there. I think it reinforced the fact that we had a long way to go in terms of discrimination and that the form of discrimination wasn't just someone yelling out, poofed her out of a car window. It was actually far more a physical threat. Bashings at, uh, at beats uh, of gay men or men who have sex with men was quite common. And there were, uh, in the area that I was a counsellor in, and certainly in Port Phillip, there were actually some near murders one summer, uh, around about eight near murders uh, in Alma Park. Was he? Some have said that Pride March was motivated out of protest of, of Tasty. It wasn't. It was defined to unify the community at a time when the community was uh, reeling from the Tasty Rate. Mm. Um, it was decided that we needed something to bring us together and to celebrate us. Mm. And that's what Pride March was always about. It was about the celebration of community and to bring us and unite us. And it did that and continues to do that. Um, it was never a protest, which was the foundation of what Mardi Gras was all about. And I think it's why also in our constitution from the very get-go, um, it was to be a march, not a parade. You know, you're absolutely right, Dean, when you, when you talk about that. Yes, we were reeling from the Tasty Raid, but, and it wasn't even that the community, the community wasn't really fractured. It was actually that period when it was all starting to come together. Yes. Like you remember Commercial Road, you know, that was the gay strip. Um, the lesbians were all, you know, sort of moving north side and renovating houses. And it was always that thing that it's not a political 
event per se, but the, the mere fact <laughs> the, that you have yeah. 20, between 20,000, 30,000, 50,000 people at an event, that is your political statement. Lindsay Carolla and Dean Beck. Two other early organisers were Liz Payne and Penny MacDonald. It was a sense of pride, and, and this is where pride keeps coming up and up and up, because it was like the, the feeling of pride in actually coming out um, if you hadn't done so before, or that you might have a small group that knew who and what you were, um, but outside of that small group, no one had a clue. Yeah, and I think it's the importance that people can come, join in, step out, have a watch, see their friends, join in the march. Everyone's welcome in the assembly area, everyone's welcome in the dispersal area. and But obviously something like Mardi Gras has to have those rules to function and and... But And we've done Mardi Gras. We've spent a long time, you know, lots of fundraisers to raise the money to be able to put together a float with lights and sound and costumes and rehearsal space for your, you know, if you're a marching group. So we went up with the marching girls. Um, and it's lots of fun and there's something the size of Mardi Gras gives it a worldwide recognition and it's, you know, telecast live and all that sort of thing. But it's not accessible for a lot of people. You can't just decide to go. You can't just walk in off the street. It's barricaded the whole way. So it's really good to have something that's a bit different That that's aim is accessibility, that people can just come. You don't have to be a part of a group and you haven't had to spend thousands on your entry. It was, you could call it the People's March. We called it Pride March. Um, and it represented how Pride actually got started, how it's evolved and where it's going to be heading. We're now going back to 1996 and the sounds and speeches of the first march. Here's Emily Dwyer first talking with Darren Ray about the first meetings of the Pride 96 organisers. We did have a, a, a coffee chat with some key people, both from the Midsummer uh, uh, Festival as well as the Also Foundation. And we all just sat down and thought, well, what can we do to increase that visibility? And as the founder of the Perth uh, Pride March as well, obviously I put on the table uh, and uh, Claire Beckwith and Will Walton, uh, Liz Payne, Penny McDonnell and a few others immediately grasped that idea that uh, a visible march uh, where we were strong in numbers, strong in voice, would really raise that visibility. Darren Ray. There were three people that were, um, sat around drinking coffee at a coffee shop and came up with the idea that they were, or saw the need um, for a Pride March. Um, other states already had them. We didn't. A meeting was then called for interested parties who wanted to be involved. And it was at that point I went down and saw Darren Ray after meeting and said, if I can help, I'll put my hand up. I think it was about 10 or 8 weeks out from when they wanted to do it um, that we all of a sudden went, right, who needs to do what in this group? And our last meeting we had a, around the table how many people we thought were going to be there. And... Um, I kind of said, well, I know I'm going. I don't know about the rest of you. And that was kind of it. Two days later, we were having our first Pride March. Three, two, one, here we go! At the end of the first Pride March in 1996, the keynote speaker was Madeline Swain. We finally stopped procrastinating and had our first Melbourne Pride. I'm so excited to be here. It's just great.
And then I was speaking to my mother on the telephone, and I said to my mother, I said, Mother, I'm going to be talking at the first ever Melbourne Gay Pride March. And she said, well, I hope it's not on telly, because your father will be furious. <laughs> well, I don't know, but I thought that was a bit disappointing, quite frankly, because, I mean, you know, my mother, she does try to accept me, and she makes a real effort, but... But then I told my family here, my friends and family here, and they said, that's terrific, and they were really supportive, and they said, go for it, we're really proud of you. And I started thinking about PFLAG, and I started thinking about the banner that they've been walking around with here that says, hate is not a family value. And I think they're right. But, but I think it goes further than that. I think hate is not a family value, but neither is barely veiled tolerance, but pride is. Thank you, welcome to Pride. Madeline Swain. Also on stage was Peter DeWilt. Our vision then was that Pride 96 would be a public display of the courage, solidarity, pride and diversity of all lesbians, gay men, bisexuals, transgender and our supporters and say we have achieved that. That's fantastic. I can now confirm that we actually have 85 separate groups marching today. That's fantastic. And as we know, over 11,000 people marching, plus many thousands more watching along the street. This really establishes pride as a permanent fixture of the Melbourne calendar. I look completely different. <laughs> that was, I think I look quite nice looking guy then. I've printed off a whole lot of stuff that I had on my computer back from 20 years ago, and so I actually had the words to the um, the speech in front of me and, and, uh, alongside watching on the video, and that was really amazing that I can sort of see that the written words what I what I was speaking. Um, yeah, that was a bit touching, actually. Yeah. Back in 89, so about six years earlier, had come out, and it was important to me to be able to, to, to identify uh, um, publicly as being gay. Um, it really meant a lot to be actually part of that march. Yeah, there was certainly a lot of people who marched who um, wouldn't be um, doing similar things outside of that march environment. Um, it wasn't. It gave people the freedom to be able to express themselves without having to worry about who's standing behind them or who's saying things to them. Uh, so that was that. That was one of the super positive things that came out of the march. I would like to thank is everyone that came today personally and if I could do it I would but this is a collective thank you because you have just made it the most amazing day that I have ever ever seen in my entire and I'm giving away trade secrets here 41 years of existence it was fantastic while pride has been a celebration from March 1 community issues were still on the agenda here's Darren Ray on stage in 1996. I don't want to end on a sombre note, so I'll get this over and done with now. I'd like you to sort of pause and think of all of those people who have passed away from HIV and AIDS, and also the many hundreds, indeed thousands, of young gays, lesbians, bisexuals, transgenders in Victoria who found the fight of intolerance too much to bear and took their own lives. This community 11,000 of us, I think, bear testament to the fact that it's a crime that no major regional centre is more than eight hours away from where we're standing now, and yet the government response, and indeed the community response, 
to the needs of young gays, lesbians, bisexuals and transgenders, especially out there in rural areas, is so poor. So what I'm asking you today is not only to be here for Pride next year, but to actually perhaps start doing something to make it easier for all of those gays, lesbians and others who have taken their own lives. Thank you. For me, the big milestones was high school students, support groups in high schools, um, Christine Nixon as police commissioner marching, John Thwaites as acting premier marching. So they, were to me, were the big... And I think PFLAG got bigger and bigger every year and PFLAG is one of the most important... They're the tear-jerking group when you see parents with their kids and, you know, or with their children, whether they're 20, 30, 40 or 50... Um, some people coming out really late in life and their parents coming with them and stories that people write that afterwards of what it means to them. Yeah, that's always the tearjerker contingent for me. One Pride milestone was the 2002 decision by Christine Nixon, then Victoria Police Chief, to march in the parade. Here's Dean Beck and Lindsay Karoloff. One year I was asked to... It was the first year that the police commissioner uh, marched, uh, Christine Nixon, mm. and I was asked to be her marshal, which I thought, you know, she was, at the time it was quite controversial that uh, a police commissioner would march in uniform and allow the police to march in uniform and that she would take a, a lead in this space. And there were uh, people on radio who were criticising her for doing this. And so I thought... Um, it would be quite a challenge to to marshal her. The level of community support for her doing so, and as she went down, the oh. roar, and I got to experience that mm. all the way down, this sort of swell and this roar of applause and and cheering for Christine Nixon as she went through. But I, the- I always remember Christine Nixon's face as she was marching you know, in the march on that year, and that huge, great, big smile. And and honestly, she was trying to. You could see she was trying to hold back because she's in uniform, and you know she's with her minions and marching to, speak, to attention and marching to attention. And um, and I had the, the absolute honour of talking to her backstage. And you know, I was hosting the stage that year. An absolute delight, mm. a delight of a woman to deal with. And you know, again, like just standing on that stage, the uproar when she walked out. You know, we're, we're being blessed with people like that. And her commitment to, oh. to what it was all about and the symbolism mm. that, it, that, it, that it represented was 100%. Darren Ray remembers the controversy around Christine Nixon's decision to march. That was certainly a milestone, but it was a it was a, a challenging environment for the police, but it was a very political movement. All of the talk back I did on 3AW and uh, even some more respected uh, radio stations uh, uh, were quite vicious at the time and challenged the notion that Christine Nixon would not only be there but that police officers would be paid and in uniform, heaven forbid. Uh, 2002 wasn't very long ago. The response that you got from mainstream media then mm. would be very different in 2015. Com- completely different. Uh, that was one of the goals that we had at first. Our first challenge in 1996 through to probably 2000 was to make it on the evening news. Stories now are about human interest uh, rather than uh, just about the salacious uh, uh, flesh displays, although, of course, they still get some great pictures and so they bloody well should. Uh, but, you know, nowadays it's just not even challenged. 
in fact, the media uh, treatment of the issue. I don't think 3AW, for example, has done a negative uh, a negative interview or story about the Pride March since those early days. Uh, and that's saying something. I think that's a great achievement. Thanks for listening to another Joy podcast brought to you by Australia's LGBTQIA plus community media organisation, Joy. Help keep Joy on air. Head to joy.org.au. Joy, a diverse sound for a diverse community.